0: Welcome to Make the Grade with the Success Doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Stephen Green, the Success Doctor here welcoming you to another exciting episode of the Make the Great podcast. Appreciate your subscribing, appreciate your support, appreciate your feedback as always. Today, I'm really excited. You know, I always get excited when we have a guest on because I love having different perspectives and, and, and I love having the, the, the expert input from, from people in the field. So we're very lucky today uh, to be able to have a conversation with Dr. Stephen Mileto, and uh, I'm sure all of you have heard of him. He's, he's very famous. Uh, but he is an educator in the state of Georgia for 32 years. And he has served in public school families as a history teacher. In fact, he was Teacher of the Year. He's been an assistant principal, a high school principal. 2009, he was the Georgia Principal of the Year and a finalist for the NASSP. Honestly, I'm not even sure what that is, but we will find out. And uh, the point is, he, he's he's a quality educator, lifelong educator, very dedicated to his field, and uh, I'm very happy to have him in the fold today. And just as a full disclosure, I was honored to be a guest on his podcast, so it really was a, a great conversation, so I wanted to bring him in and, and get a different perspective. So, Dr. Maletto, welcome. Hey Steve thanks for having me here i'm uh, excited to be
0: here and uh, I appreciate you having me on It was great having you on my show and uh, I appreciate you inviting me back
1: well I, I think I think there's a lot of really interesting things you can share and, and I want to just kind of get right to it so let let's 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 start with this right you've been kind of through the whole scheme teacher principal administrator parent um, right now in the administrative role but What I'd like to do is is talk about the different perspectives. How is the perspective of education different as an administrator than it might have been as a teacher and as it is as a parent? The bulk of the people listening here are probably parents who have a a big involvement in their kids' education uh, for which they should be congratulated. But but let's let's just jump off from there. So let's talk about what it's like to be an administrator. Maybe was that an adjustment coming out of the classroom where you obviously had a lot of success uh so let, let's let's start there.
0: All right. Well uh it definitely was an adjustment. I became an assistant principal in the same school where I had been a teacher, and uh um everything works fine until uh <laughs> you have to deal with something that uh, you didn't uh, um see coming. And in uh my case it was uh, having to deal with uh um one of the staff members kept parking in a spark- parking spot they shouldn't be parking in.
1: <laughs> so <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so I had to, and it was, he was basically one of, I mean, he was m- my best friend in the school. And uh, the principal said, I need you to take care of this. And so I went to him and it never, it, he didn't want to in the beginning. he just kind of get, you know, kind of brushed me off as, yeah, 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 you're my friend, go away. And, and it, I had to eventually say, no, 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 you don't understand. You move the car or it's going to get towed. After that, you know, you walk to this lunchroom table and they all got quiet. <laughs> I had gone well, not- to the
1: you're on management now you're not in the
0: <laughs> exactly i had gone to the, to the side the evil side so the yeah so there is that shift um just as a note i, I think that uh it's unfortunate when we get at odds between the teaching the staff the, the administration and and the parents because we you know we should be there all for the same reason and that is to help kids I the uh, um, to gotcha. achieve whatever their dreams are and and you know you were talking about as a parent uh one of the things that I think happens, you know, at first as an administrator, I think one of the things that's, that's different from the teacher role is that you have more of a community role and uh, you feel that uh, um, that desire, if you're involved in different service communities or you're out there working with parents on different committees and stuff like this, you feel a little bit more, um, you should feel a little bit more of those uh, concerns that the parents are having and trying to figure out how to address them. So that's one of the things that happens.
1: Hmm. Do you find... Uh your interaction with parents is a lot different as an administrator than it had been as a teacher.
0: Yes. And, uh, um, and no, <laughs> what, um and I, I say that laughingly because I'm remembering the first time that I, uh, I was an assistant principal and my main job was discipline. And the principal was trying to make sure that his assistant principals during parent night got out and about and were, shaking hands and talking with parents. And I said, are you sure you want me out and about? I said, there's some of them <laughs> who probably don't really want to talk with me. And he said, yes, yes, you got to get out there and you need to you know, chit chat and so forth. And which was an awesome thing that he was doing. And so the very first parent I went up to and said hi to, I didn't recognize him. And he said, uh, "He said, oh, and what do you do? And I said, well, I, I'm in charge of ninth and 11th grade discipline. And he went, I don't think I want to know you. <laughs> and he laughingly walked away and I went, well, that went well.
1: <laughs> I, guess, I guess it can only go up from there,
0: right? Yes, yes. And it did. And uh, from there, it did go well. And I learned that, uh, you know, parents are looking for the best for their child. And, uh, and that's what we should be about trying to provide. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, but one of the interesting interactions that's, that's happened is that when you, when you do discipline, or when you get involved in different uh, organizations, like, Sometimes if you know them through a service group or something like that, it's a lot different because you have more of a a connection that way. And they uh, might come to really recognize your, uh, or trust you a little bit more. So, you know, and so getting back to something you said about uh, the difference between administrators and teachers, one of the cool things that teachers have is that advantage that, you know, where if they're focused on, on helping the child, uh, whatever it is that they're working on um, they're helping them, uh, figure out how to do better at it or they're helping them overcome some problem or they're helping them with their applications for college or whatever it is that they're doing. They have the ability to really connect on a personal level, which uh, um, is one of the most powerful af- um, aspects of, of a teacher that's so different from the other, any other level in a school setting.
1: Mm-hmm. How, how important do, do you feel it is for parents? Well, I, I this is really a two part question. <laughs> a, to be involved in a child's education, which I, I think is kind of almost a rhetorical question. But B, especially at the upper levels, be involved in, in the the schools. Because what I see all the time, and this happened to me personally, when my children were in elementary school, I was involved in the PTO. I was in the classroom. I was a classroom parent. I forget what they called it exactly. I was helping with the school store. We did birthday parties. And then you get into middle school, and that really tapers down because the kids are older and that Frankly, you didn't feel that the teachers needed you around as much. And by high school, it's almost non-existent. In fact, I'm not even sure they want parents coming in and out of the high school very much. But <laughs> what do you think about that? Where, where, where do you, you know, what, what's, the, what's the appropriate role, you think?
0: Well, I think the appropriate role, first of all, is it's unfortunate that a lot of times high schools do send that wrong message (laughs) because we really want you around. We want you to be involved. We want you to be there. We want you to feel like uh, uh, that it's, you you should be able to come into the school and, you know, get involved because that's, that's one of the biggest things you you try and figure out how can, because somewhere in middle school, what starts happening is, you know, and part of it's (laughs) that, don't get me wrong because uh, schools can send the wrong message, but part of it's you know, it starts happening from the child. Also, they start worrying well, that the child's looking at them going, Oh, mom, dad, don't come up to the school. Please, <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. I, I really don't want to run into you by accident up there. And especially if you're smiling and having a good old time with you know the principal, that's not a good thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but uh, you know, getting back on track a lot of times the school sends the wrong message. And so we can do a better job of that. And that's why, you know, we want parents involved in committees. We want parents to want to you know get involved in the, the different activities on campus, we want them to want to know more about uh, what we're trying to do to help children. And the, uh, the best thing is, is to get them, uh, um, to, to, to say, Hey, I'm, I'm Steve and I'm the parent of, uh, so-and-so. And I'd like to, you know, what can I do to help? And I think that's the, the best thing The and then from there, the biggest thing from there is just to understand that, uh, we're doing, we're doing, we're, we're trying to do our best. And so sometimes we make mistakes and so just help us by understanding where we might've stepped
1: in the wrong direction. So is there, is there an appropriate level that a parent should be involved? Let's, let's, let's address this from academics, right? Because having been a teacher, obviously you want children to advocate for themselves, especially at, at the high school level, Right. Um, but you know, what always, what, what happens is maybe a kid comes home with a grade that parents aren't happy with. And then they'll nowadays email the teacher, you know, what's going on with this, which sometimes goes well, sometimes creates a little more of a contentious situation. But, uh, what's your opinion on the, It's a little bit of a fine line, but academically, <laughs> obviously we want parents involved in the school sort of socially and, and just as a community support piece. I think we all agree about that. Um, academically, w- what can the parents do to partner, I'm going to use that word, with the teachers to advocate for their children or, or maybe vice versa? How could the parents help the teachers to maximize what's going on outside of the school? Because we only get them six hours a day, right? Six, seven hours a day. Right, right. A lot that has to go on at home. At home life is is variable, you know, in terms of what the kids get sometimes. So uh, what would your message to parents be there? The uh, – my par- Message to parents
0: would be first, think about it from this aspect. We're trying to do our best, so it's important that you talk with me on a on an adult to adult level where we can say, "Hey, Steve, can you talk with me a little bit?" I, I noticed that this is going on uh, with. My son's great. or we'd like to talk a little bit about what he can do to, you know, get better at it, or something like this. But have that type of open communication. Now, I want to shift from parent for just a second. I'll come back to it because I want to talk about the educator first. It, it, or as a note here, real quick, because one of the things we can do for ourselves is to is to provide different ways to be in touch with a and. With the parent and to stay in touch and to keep them apprised of what's going on in the classroom and there's many different ways of doing that and unfortunately a lot of times what we do is we wait until an open house or something like this or we uh, or we do something like uh, you know just uh, the grades go out and whatever comes back comes back that type of thing and what really we can help ourselves out here by starting off by doing a couple of different things uh, in the beginning. Collect email addresses. In the beginning, send a note card home that says, uh, Hey, I'm Steve Mileto. I'm your son's teacher and looking forward to having uh, um, Charlie in my class. And uh, here's here's some things that are going on at first. And I have this website where you'll be able to check my... you know, the activities I have scheduled over the next couple of weeks, as well as just like in the classroom, you're setting an expectation. Exactly. And if you do stuff like that, as well as create opportunities, because one of the things that's so cool in this world right now is that we have very free, very free, let me say, um, technological things that will help us like that. I I use really high level words like things, the, uh, but it's, you know, (laughs) we have to, (laughs) uh, that help us um, stay in touch with people. And so, for example, like um, one of the things I suggest is that uh, teachers get like a Google phone number and a Google, and I don't work for Google, (laughs) by the way. But, you know, there's some of these types of techniques where if you give that number out, the parent, you you let them know, I may not return it automatically, but I will be back in touch with you. Just leave your message and I'll call you back. And that way
1: of of a layer for your personal life.
0: Right. That way you don't have to give out your personal cell. but at the same time they have a way of getting in touch with you. And, and at some point there might come that weekend where you're, you're at home trying to help, you know, your sons or daughter is dry. You know, they're, they're going up a wall cause they don't understand how to do something. Unfortunately, their friends don't understand it either. And, uh, and they may just drop you a line and say, Hey, we're trying to figure this out and you may be able to solve it, but by sending them an email and saying, hey, I got your message and here's some here's, a, here's some images of me talking about this, or I pulled this off of YouTube or, you know, and you give them some support to try and help them. And it's amazing how quickly we can, with the way, just that type of communication can help overcome any angst over parents. And it, you know, it, sometimes we get too focused on the idea of, Whatever you want to call them, I've heard it helicopter, I've heard it lawnmower, I've heard it whatever whatever the name. I mean, I w- I was a parent who was concerned, and you know, it's it, it really comes down to staying, you know, giving ways of staying in top, uh, on top of helping your child and being able to communicate with somebody. If the educator doesn't communicate with you, that's the worst thing ever because you're, you don't mm-hmm. know how to help. And so, you know, one of the cool things is that uh, some some really cool teachers who do. Um, you, you could do it low tech by providing packages of information, but the the upper tech stuff with, that can be used on the phone. If the teacher has a YouTube channel um, where they do some little film clips of themselves, working problems or talking through the, the history or whatever it is, or the activity, or here's, here's what the expectation of this is. Just in case your child comes home and says, I don't know what we're supposed to do, you know, and, and <laughs> it's amazing how many times this type of stuff yeah. could Make interactions between parent and teacher very friendly uh, and, not, uh, and not have any sort of angst. That communication is going to help tremendously between, you know, being proactive between the teacher and the parent. So uh, I don't know if that helps.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think it does. Well, I had a parent the other day, and this is not the first time I've heard this, basically say, what's the, the whole point of high school essentially is to get my child into college. Which, which I guess is true if that's your goal, but there's other paths people could take besides going to college. Um, I guess depending on, you know, your priorities and maybe what region you're in, you know, socioeconomically, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but I think there is sort of a fine line of involvement, over-involvement, under-involvement, because ultimately we have to develop students. The children have to become independent thinkers and be able to push themselves along independently. So they're the ones; it's their lives. They're the ones that have to make it through high school and middle school and high school, and eventually into college or whatever kind of career path they're going to get into. So it, it, it's it's you know it's a sensitive situation. It's interesting because I talk to people all over the country, and, and it's it's just a universal thing, good and bad. So I appreciate your insight on that. Let, let me shift a little bit here. I want to talk about some kind of the I'm going to call them mega trends in education and. Um, The one that's a hot button locally, at least regionally for me, is I hear a lot about standard testing. Good, bad, in between. Um, So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Maybe just technically as a metric. Uh, The big complaint we get is that they run these tests and the tests tell whatever they're going to tell, but the school spends two weeks prepping for the test or even longer sometimes, which in turn detracts from potential instructional time. So the students are actually learning less just to get a better grade on a standardized test that nobody is 100% sure what's even used for. So, you know, I have my own personal feelings, but but I'm very interested to hear what you think about this and, you know, maybe, maybe how it might differ in your area than other areas or, or what have you. So, standardized testing, good, bad, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's used in the wrong ways. Um, I think that what it should be used for is to help us as educators understand what the kids know or don't know. And instead it's been turned into this gateway where it's, you know, you not only is it a gateway, but it's also a smack <laughs> back mm-hmm. at communities. And the, uh, and in the middle are the, the schools where, um, you know, it's, it's used to de- determine whether they keep staff or not and things like this and it, right. there's so many different extremes i I firmly believe that there's a reason for uh, that tests can exist, and the reason why they you know should exist is to help us understand what kids understand or don't understand and uh in a shorter time frame i don't I don't think sitting down in a three hour time frame to do that is the best environment e- either but uh Basically, I, to me, I think they should be used to help us understand at this level, here's some things that they should have a comprehension of, and are they getting it? And then we should be able to use that information to then determine uh, what direction we come from to try and assist them in, in knowing a little bit more about it. I think it's wrong-minded to try and uh, use it to determine the future. I think there, you know, there's countries that at an early age determine whether you go into a you know, blue-collar or white-collar path. And I think that's a scary thing
1: because and, – and, and just to be clear to the audience, I'm talking about a state-administered sort of test that school districts have to do. In Pennsylvania, they're called the PSSAs. I, I, I don't know what the identification is in every single state out there. but um, And they're mandated, and, and they they've just actually changing the laws. It used to be it had to take them to graduate. Now they pulled back on that. Um, I I personally agree that the interpretation of the test can be problematic. Um, I also feel, like I said before, the amount of time spent prepping for them and actually administering them is is sometimes over the top, but uh, let's at least try to put some kind of silver lining as an administrator. What can you use them for? Is there some positive to pull from them? I mean, maybe it's even a justification. That doesn't sound like the best choice of words, but Uh, Do you get data from these tests that enables you to make any sort of curriculum decisions or academically driven decisions as opposed to fiscal or, uh, you know, administrative sort of staffing decisions? Does that ever happen?
0: Yes. If you have, if you're, one of the problems with having too many outside interpreters (laughs) of test scores is that they come in with their own agendas wanting to, you know, Say, oh, the school's doing bad, or the school's doing good, or whatever. And and instead, what you really need to be able to do is that you can use those test scores. And and to give you an example, um, some of the uh, the entrance exams for uh, for college, for example, have these separate tests that work really well for understanding. And this isn't an advertisement for any company. So I'm not, not mm-hmm. going to mention the company names. But they, you know, one of the things that might happen is that y- you need information about. Let's say the child's really thinking that they're, they, they really feel very strong minded about, they want to be something in some sort of math, very strong math field. Well, mm-hmm. if you can get some interpretation of what their level of understanding is for that type of field that they're, you know, if you can start connecting their thoughts with the field that they're thinking about going into, you can use that to determine whether they should take some additional courses in some areas. Now, let me give you a more general aspect of this. Um, the, uh, um, one of the things that happens is that when choosing curriculum, a lot of times you look at how can we kind of drive or accelerate kids focus on down the road. And so you might make the choice that they're going to have some sort of uh, math based physics in the ninth grade, for example. Well, Mm -hmm. in order to do that or, or, or a higher level biology, what happens is that the vocabulary in those, those types of classes are at a level, forget the math that might be in them. It's, You've got to start even with the vocabulary that might be in the level uh, in those classes might be a little higher than what some of them have had. So you've got that that test can give you that information to say, are they operating at the level that uh, they need to be to be able to understand this course? And so then you can make some choices curriculum wise, whereas you start identifying kids who need a little bit more support in those areas that maybe you have an a, you know, an extended class that they take or, or a program that they take before or that
1: enrichment, or something. Right?
0: Yeah. Something to help accelerate their understanding. And, you know, and it's funny because you, it, you run into, uh, this is where, uh, this is, this is where a test can actually help you with, uh, if you're having as an administrator or as a classroom teacher, um, the, some difficult conversations with parents or as a parent, you're having a, you know, there's, this is where you can use these, this information to sit down with them and walk through and say, this is what this is showing us about Steve's, you know, proclivity of, uh, at, at this point in understanding the information. And it's important that we, we say that, uh, and see, this is what I mean by communication. This is something where, you know, if I was a parent, I want them talking to me about this type of stuff where don't, don't tell me about, uh, you know, are they on track for graduation since kindergarten? I want to know, you know, if this is what they're thinking about, um, what is, is it? There, is help? there
1: just from a sheer person power, you can't say manpower anymore, right? Just from a sheer uh, staffing level, is, is there, is there time? I mean, is, is, is guidance people, or is there enough ability to do this when in a school district might have twelve, thirteen hundred, 1300, you know, 2000 kids? You have to, and,
0: to answer that question, we can make time. The problem is, <laughs> is once again, if you have too much outside interference, because this is the type of interaction that should be taking place between parents and in the school right. and so forth, looking at this and saying, here's what we need. I mean, if if your child's saying they want to be an astronomist and here's the type of mathematics they're going to need or they're going to need to be an accountant or they want to be a, you know, a, a dancer or they want to do whatever it is that we're talking about, here's the things that uh, – Um, this is what this is showing that. um, And we have the type of conversation. So here's a recommendation. So getting back to your question Mm -hmm. in, when you, when you start looking at ninth grade, that's one of the areas where I've always been of the mind that you have to make some tough decisions about, do I have more staff in the upper grades or do I have more staff in my ninth grade? And if you have them in the ninth grade, where when they come in, you can Kind of start creating some classes where you um, the classes are focused on accelerating vocabulary or voca- or accelerating where you 're seeing their weaknesses in the type of math they should have by the ninth grade. Um, those types of things help or writing even write, writing skills um, if you can have that staff there, which means that usually because you 're not getting any extra money, <laughs> that means you 're making some sacrifices somewhere and so where i've dis- what i 've discovered is and hopefully I don't get a lot of hate mail in from my colleagues who are in the upper levels of the schools. But if you get, uh, if you make some of the classes a little bigger in the top so that you can create smaller classes with a a lot more specialized uh, staffing there in the ninth grade, as they come in from the eighth grade, you can address some of those matters. But getting back to what you asked, that's one of the, one of the ways that, yes, some of those tests can help me make curriculum or staffing choices that way, because I then choose to have more ninth grade teachers in in my English language arts area that specialize in helping the kids move from this to that, or the, or I need a couple high level because we got a large class coming in that have those high skills and we need to be able to accelerate them further. There's those types of choices can
1: be. What you're basically getting at is potentially creating a situation for a child could identify an area of interest or an area uh, where they have a a better acumen earlier. So they have more time to develop that as opposed to only uh, maybe developing that at, at sort of an AP level, which right. uh, more to it than that. But I, I, think, I think my point is, is on interesting. And it's difficult to do because a lot of times kids just don't know. I mean, they just don't even go <laughs> yeah. to college. They, they don't know what they want to do. Um, and that's to me, just as a note, I want to say that's a good thing. I mean, it's, it's still, it's not a, it's not a bad
0: thing. I think, I think sometimes our adult world, makes kids think that, uh, you know, from uh, somewhere around kindergarten, they should have this whole life plan that they know exactly what they want to do. And I think that's one of the things that frustrates kids when they, they see some people who seem to have their life purpose at, uh, <laughs> you know, at 12 or 15 <laughs> and they're sitting there going, you know, they're 18 years old going, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, I think it's, I, I think it's one of the things well, that that's okay. We just got to help
1: them. Just as a sidebar, I've, I've interviewed two college admissions counselors separately. for for the podcast. And one felt a better candidate or more admissible candidate was one who was fairly set in their major. The other one felt a more admissible candidate who was somebody who was flexible. They were actually looking for an undeclared major people or people with undeclared uh, because they felt they would be more uh, kind of open to trying different things instead of being locked in. So I got two people doing the same job at different schools uh, with pretty uh, divergent opinions about this, uh, let me ask you this question. And I touched on this a little bit ago: the, the high school, or even the middle school, as kind of a college preparation uh, institution, versus the idea of 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 education, quote unquote, just educating, creating. And I'm not talking about education, sort of in the Rockefeller and you know, sort of the reading, writing, arithmetic sense. I'm thinking about mere independent thinking, kind of critical thinking types of things. Um, is, that, is that anything that concerns you? Is that really a parent-driven thing? Is it a society-driven thing? Because it's not really the scope of our discussion, but just getting into college is very, very competitive and getting worse. College is very, very expensive and getting worse. But uh, it, it seems like that's the mindset some of the parents I, I talk to. You know, I just want to get my kids through high school. It's just get them ready for college. I want to make sure they're ready for school college when they get there. Uh, what, what's your take on that? What do, what do you think? Or can it be both? I, I think it can be both.
0: I think one of the things that's important is that, and first let me say this, one of the things that's important at the high school level is, and, it, and actually it's important at all levels, but even more so at the high school level is that, you know, the staff there need to, the, it's real important for a kid to, to connect with, a staff member or two. And what I mean by that is that person who can help them talk through some of these thoughts. So it's not, it doesn't always lie on just a counselor, even though the, you know, the counselor or whoever that person is in the school that's job it is, is to talk with them about future career paths and stuff like this. It, it really by connecting with a teacher in the building, someone who, or whoever that staff member is, sometimes it's a athletic coach. Sometimes it's a extracurricular sponsor, you know, like a a theater sponsor or a band director or something like this, but it, someone who, who they trust enough to say, you know, I just don't get this because one of the things that happens at these levels is that, and having gone through this myself um, with my own kids, you know, kids sometimes will talk to somebody else, even though they're saying the same thing that the parents say and say, yeah, yeah, dad. Okay. Yeah. That's (laughs) nice, but go away. And, and whereas, you know, the coach or the math teacher or the Spanish teacher or the band director says something and they go, Hey, yeah. You know, it's like the old EF Hutton commercial. They all listen. And there's an outdated reference, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, the the, the, the funny thing about this is that uh, having that connection in the school, that's that person. And that's why it's, to me, it's important for the, the administrators in the building to have that focus that the people who do career path talking or bring people in to have these conversations with them shouldn't be doing lots of extra jobs. They shouldn't wear lots of extra hats that keep them distracted from this type of talk because it's important. We have uh, kids are starting to have their own thoughts about what they want to do or they don't want to do this. This goes beyond the you know way in the past where um, dad owned a grocery store and, and juniors expected to take over the grocery store or, or, sheila or whatever and they uh um this is you know we're in a world where there's so many options available to them and you know college is uh a major part of that and it's there are a lot of blocking you know there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of colleges that say that you got to be a ap warrior and there's some of them that you know if you have one or two they're good and some of them they didn't that they're not as worried about that. They have, so, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, and that's where we can help them also. When you talk about universities is that sometimes the right fit is something that that adult can help them with. And it's funny. I just, I just talked to someone yesterday who's is very big in business and they were talking about the impact that someone had on them who way back when who was a teacher when they were in 10th grade, who basically said to them, you know, you have a really nice ability to talk with people. And I think you should, uh, work on that a little bit more, and just with that advice, she's gone on to be an international speaker where she can charge <laughs> large amounts of money. And it's just funny that just that little bit of help and uh, I mean, it, focus from that. I,
1: I think the message that you're saying, if I if I can take the liberty of interpreting, is that the school should be for the students. Yes, yeah. you have obviously professionals and then highly trained professionals and hardworking professionals, but ultimately it should serve the students. And uh, I, th- I think everybody believes that. Sometimes in practice, it's harder than others. <laughs> yes. uh, where, where do you, Let's talk about technology for a second. And this is a little bit of a shift, but clearly, uh, well, let, let's not date. I'll date myself. When I started in education, <laughs> we barely had computers in the classroom. Uh, I don't know if that was the case in your career. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah. obviously, the role of technology in the classroom and outside the classroom is is tremendously uh, different now than it was um, it, it, does that it, where do you believe th- this stands Is it a good thing is it not a good thing is is it something that we're taking advantage of correctly is it something that worries you what do what you what's your feeling about technology as an educational tool First, let me say this. There is some cool stuff
0: in the technology world. There definitely is. <laughs> and, and we can use so much of it for really some cool things in the classroom. But I think we've also got to be right-minded about it, which is it, it really can make you go, ooh, check that out, squirrel over there. Or look, there's a silver shiny thing over there. And, and you have to ask yourself, is it worth spending this much money on this thing? And whereas certain types of technology – just kind of lends itself. And so with that being said, I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it is our world. So there are certain things that we need to make sure that we're involved in, in schools, like having, if we can have one-to-one initiatives with laptops or Chromebooks or things like this, it's important. Mm -hmm. If we can have, uh, um, we've got to have connectivity in our classroom and you can't be too focused. You know, because I was in those schools where, you know, way back when, and we're getting these, uh, you know, if, if you're fortunate, you had one class that might was outfitted with the same types of computers. But for the most part, the school had a hodgepodge of things. And, and right. I saw the transition from that into uh, uh, some really cool uh, technology. But for example, you know, it's like right now we have uh, there for a while, Um, interactive boards were the just a big thing and school systems were spending lots of time and effort on trying to outfit entire schools with that when it really needed to be in some teachers classrooms who are the ones who were who would do it and use it and then kind of infect the others if they wanted to do it and but then some teachers could be just as effective without using it and and I think you have to find those things. I mean, some of the technology they love, like what we're using right now. I mean, this type of technology, if I'd had this as a teacher, the idea of being able to do an audio podcast, Oh my gosh, <laughs> this would have been so powerful in my hands. I would have loved this with my kids, but it, you know, there's just so much stuff out there that I'm not so sure, you know, starting everybody off with a computer at the, you know, at the earliest ages and keeping them in front of a screen is the, is the smartest thing. Uh And I think that we just have to take a look and spend our money wisely. Remember that we can't, it's not something we shouldn't be trying to uh have every software that anybody's ever going to use, but do watch the, 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 uh where, where things are going. So like right now, I mean, you know, it's funny, but, but Google and the G suite world forced, the Microsoft world to adjust and they created their cloud tools and all that sort of stuff. And so that obviously is an area between those two types of platforms. You have the free plat, all the stuff that's out there as well that uh, um, you know, the technology.
1: But it's the genie's out of the bottle or whatever the (laughs) cliche. I mean, it's not going back. We're not going to take computers out of classrooms at this point.
0: I would not want that by the way.
1: No, I personally, I wouldn't. Either. To me, personally, what I think is the most valuable is the ability to do collaborative work. Oh, yes. The ability to share information and, and have teachers and kids or students working together on projects by sharing documents or sharing PowerPoints. Or, to me, I, I find that really valuable. Uh, the ability to turn and work online, I'm mixed on that a little bit, although I get it. Uh, testing online, I'm not a, a giant fan of yet. Um, you know, having the ability for everybody to see movies and, and bringing things to life. I'd like that, that, uh, that's a real positive, especially in the science history world where, where it's so relevant. Um, well, that, that would lead to one of my last questions here is, is where do you think this is all going to be in 10, 20, 50 years? Is, is, uh, is, is, is it going to be the same sort of, I mean, it, it's not going to be, I think we're gone with, you know, Abraham Lincoln going to a, log cabin and writing on a piece of chalk kind of thing. But where, where, do you see, if, if, if you, uh, well, let me put it to you this way. Uh, you get some young principal intern coming out of school and they just starting this September or you start a little bit earlier than we do up here, but they're just starting now. <laughs> where, where do you think they're going to be when they, you know, they're, they're ready to hang it up?
0: Well, time. I gotta, I gotta say this, this, you know, First of all, I you know I graduated high school in 1981. All right, and and so I was in the 80s, and 80s are very popular right now. To to you know, I think people have some weird remembrances of the times, but there's some of it that's right on the money. I think. <laughs> I
1: lived through them too,
0: <laughs> and uh, um, and it's funny because I remember when uh, the as this is sound really dumb, but the calculator changed. Rather rapidly, from what I had access to in the classroom, to what I had access to in the college classroom, and it was happening right there at the end of my high school. And it was interesting because I grew up in Florida, watching the Apollo uh, moonshots, and uh, and then the transition to the shuttle, and being able to see the the trails in the sky and all that sort of stuff. And I'm a huge, and it's it's cool because we we have the types of stuff today and I'm going to talk something really strange first. I mean, in 1981, if I'm doing yard work and I want to listen to music, I had to take my brother's speakers, put them in the windows, yeah, <laughs> break right. up the music and there, and that was and annoy anybody who was around us for a couple of blocks. Cause he had a pretty good stereo system. <laughs> the, uh, if I want to do that today, I take my cell phone, I take my Bluetooth speakers and I go out in the front porch, which by the way are only about six inches long <laughs> and i take I go out in the front porch and I turn on my, my same music from nineteen eighty one and i got uh you know I can annoy the neighbors just the same with even better quality sound <laughs> and yeah. that in itself i would I would never have guessed that we'd be able to do something like that now let's let's go to which tells me that the cell phone now I remember people who had these uh, car phones that had these little wires on them. And that, I don't know how that technology worked, but it's funny cause I've seen them in some repeats of TV and uh, there's some TV shows that are on where you see the guy with the phone in the car. And it's like, it's very interesting. And today here we have, you know, the most powerful computer that anybody's seen in our hands that uh, unfortunately most people just use it to uh, annoy each other or, or, you know, post about a picture of their food. And uh, you know, it's, So I say this, I'm amazed at where we've come in this amount of time, because it's a, uh, you know, it's just such a, it's a cool thing, because a lot of this, a lot of it, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and the original series, and so much the tablets, you'd see Kirk writing on a tablet and hand it back, you'd see the little discs that were gone, or the discs are gone now, you know, we've gone. like Never see this in our lifetime. Exactly. And and then all of a sudden we had all this type of technology that, and and us talking right here, right now. I mean, I was in the, I was in the army, I was in signal communications and uh, they, uh, in early nineties, I'm doing some training where I'm in, in Georgia and uh, we're talking to a group in the Pentagon and they were showing off this cool technology where we can see them and they can see us and we're on satellite. And what they did was to prove that they could see us, they zeroed in on our name tags and shot us a picture of everybody's name tag that was in the room, so wow. you could read it perfectly from well, some satellite or whatever. Exactly, and so here we are. Not that I mean it's, but it's about uh, twenty plus years ago. <laughs> I think my math's working okay in the nursing place, but, but it's you know here it is. I can I can do this from my laptop in my home. What then required satellite time? They only had so much time in which to get that whole class finished. And uh, before the satellite, they lost their time on it. And hmm. so where I'm going with this is I'm just amazed. I have the ability now to afford the Chromebooks that I, are so affordable. And, and for all those companies listening, don't go jacking up your prices just because we <laughs> say they're affordable. But it's, uh-huh. it's so affordable for a school setting to have classroom sets of these and even to pursue the idea of getting them in the hands like a one-to-one initiative type thing where you're getting them into the hands of kids who who may not have those. And uh, to be able to have the the Wi-Fi and the pipeline to help you connect with people all over the world. We're at a a level that I I really am amazed that we're, we're going next because, you know, one of the things that I think is cool but I still don't understand it's <laughs> if, if it really has a use are the watches now where the, the computer's right there on your, you know, on your yeah. wrist, but anybody who was a fan of Dick Tracy, man, that's, that's come alive. And so it does make you wonder uh, to me, it makes me wonder just what you asked, give me somebody who's starting now and they were going to retire in 20 years. Um, to me, I, I can see the communication being further, the, the ability to have uh, um, you know in, instead of just one to one where right now you can pay to have more than that maybe they're they're charging you because you have 150 on the line <laughs> instead of mm-hmm. instead of trying to charge you for three or more and um but it's i'm i'm excited about where we're going because i right now i can afford the technology to on my own to be able to have it didn't cost me much to be able to communicate with you and right. uh, and I think as a principal, that tells me that there's so much in there and you need to rely on some of those teachers that are in your building who are those forward thinkers who are talking. Because I'll never forget the teacher came to me and said, as a principal, he goes, I want to talk to you about this thing called streaming. And he goes, it's going to really drive the county nuts. <laughs> he goes, but if, if you let me do these things, and he was, he was way ahead of… Oh, so he was actually
1: live streaming classes or yes. some kind of demonstration? He was, he
0: was, he was doing demonstrations and it was amazing what he was doing. And it was way ahead of, you know, it was, there were people doing it across the country, but in our school setting and in our district, uh, he was, there probably were like three others and it was a large district. And, and it was amazing because uh, there were some powers that be that thought that only thing that people wanted to stream was, you know, basketball during March madness. (laughs) And, and it's like, Oh, <laughs> Instead, we have he was he was an English teacher who worked with a math teacher, and they were they were streaming uh, and collaborating kids across uh, districts and the country, and it was cool at an early age. And now, the the amount of technology, how it cost at that time, now it's so much more well, so inexpensive yeah. and
1: easier to do. I mean, even I remember the first calculator I got was like four hundred dollars, and it, <laughs> it, was, it was like a Texas Instruments one hundred one or something. It was had red numbers. I forget what they were called. It it wasn't like a a screen in the same way we think of it. It was like these sort of red diodes or something. Well, here's a hair. just completely off topic. Uh, Do you want to take a stab at the number one song from
0: 1981?
1: Oh, number one song. I think about that. Um, And incidentally, I, I didn't know it from memory. I cheated and Googled it, which maybe is an example of, what you can sort of do in a conversation this quickly. So while, while you're, while you're marinating on that, let me, uh, let me, let me wrap this up here with, uh, is there anything you just want to close out with, uh, you know, any personal message you might have for parents or students who, who, who've listened to this and, and, um, just, you know, sort of a final take home idea of, of, you know, what, what they, what they should try to do or should look forward to doing or, or both.
0: I think that, uh, yeah, and I appreciate you asking, Stephen. first of all, I've watched your, I, I've listened to your podcasts, and uh, uh, appreciate it. And I appreciate what you do, and I've had you on my show, and I've listened to your other shows, and I, and uh, um, read your uh, your uh, help book, and I think it's really cool what you do because I, I think one of the number one message I have for parents is listen to your kids, talk with them, and find out what it is that they're thinking they want to do, and then try and see if you can help them figure out those dreams because there's a lot of mixed messages out there today. Some of those mixed messages say college doesn't matter. Some of those mixed messages say that everybody should go to college. Some of those mixed messages say um, that, uh, you know, that uh, everybody should be, uh, you know, forget that, drop out of school and go start your own business. Well, you know, that's not for all of us. We, and we all have our thoughts about what we want to do. There's all kinds of things there. And it's, it's all about the parent talking with their kid and let, and the kid, and then my message to the the students is you got to talk with your parents, man, (laughs) you got to let them in on what's going on inside and say, you know, these are the things that I'm thinking about doing. And can you help me figure out how I get there? Mm -hmm. And instead of succumbing to some of that pressure around them, the the most important thing is to think about it because some of those pathways are directly through universities. Some of them are not. And some of them, maybe they, maybe they are the type of kid who needs to, who needs to have that one year to go, do something a little different. I had a friend who worked in the construction industry for a year after he graduated from college and he was not as a manager, he was working doing drywall and stuff like that. And he came back very focused on what he didn't want to do, <laughs> but, uh, but it it um, made him realize that he was interested in construction management because he saw the things and he went on to, to pursue that. So my point is, is that, you know, it's uh, to the parents and kids, you got to talk with each other and really Try and think about you don't have to have the solution right now. It doesn't you, you may change your mind multiple times as you're pursuing this, but mm-hmm. uh, I think they need to be open to uh, to listening to each other and then trying to help um, as a parent, trying to help your child pursue what it is they're thinking about.
1: As well, it's a it's excellent was, counsel, not just for education. It's it's just life. I mean, there's so many right. distractions kids can have and there's a lot of bad choices kids can make and <laughs> you know, I mean, there just is, I mean, we're, we're focused on education, but there's a plenty of things that get in the way besides a career choice. Right. So, right. I, right. I think that support and that relationship parent to child and, and the children being willing to listen and have that open dialogue and you're not always going to agree for sure. Oh yeah. I can barely agree, but, but just have the channel for that I think is really, really important. Uh, all right. You want to take a guess here? You want to hint?
0: Oh, no. you got to give me a hint because unfortunately my brain's stuck on 1984. 1981.
1: Everything. The hint would be the title of the song has a famous actress's name in it Betty Davis Eyes. Betty Davis Eyes. There you go. Bonus. No.
0: Kim Carnes, man. I didn't realize she was number one in 81. Number one for the year in 1981. Can you believe it? <gasps> No, I was thinking the Cars or I was thinking uh, uh, uh whether the knack was still hanging around with my Sharona or something <laughs> or blondie. That
1: was earlier. Number 2, Diana Ross and Lionel Richie, Endless Love, which I think was Oh my was gosh. One. Number 3, Kenny Rogers, Lady. Oh wow. I would not have named any one of these three songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think I could. have. Well, this, this this is where you you know, this is where you use information to your advantage, right? Right. All right. Let me see if I can cue that up on my uh, thing as a, as an outtake here on our, on our discussion. Um, yeah. Betty Davis size. How about that? That's well, awesome. If anybody in the listening audience who has heard of that song, <laughs> send me a comment and you will get a, a something for free from the make the grade uh shop. So, uh, well, all right, let, let's do this here. Let, uh, seriously, I really appreciate you taking the time. You're very, very busy, and, and this has, I think, been a great discussion, um, and, and I appreciate it. And if there's anything uh, you know, I can do to help you out down the road, just let me know, or that maybe if my audience has more questions, we can kind of put that together or something. But, uh, you know, we're in such an interesting, um, you know, world with education. Here we go. Baby.
0: Remember it well.
1: I <laughs> will right, we'll save that. It's so easy to reminisce. Back it's in the good nice. old days. Um, well, Dr. Stephen Oletto, thank you uh, again. I really appreciate it. This is uh, Dr. Stephen Green, the Make the Grade podcast. If you want to find out more, you can always email me at sgreen at makethegrade.net. And uh, you can make comments on the podcast. I'm on social media, on Facebook and Instagram and all that sort of stuff. Uh, A lot going on in in future episodes. As I mentioned, I have some college counselors I've interviewed. I have a a, a, a fitness professional. I have a nutritionist. Uh, I'm hoping to get a a college admissions counselor to come on. It's a really, really busy time of year for them. but, But they've agreed to meet at some point soon. So again, this is all about providing you, the parents, and you, the students, with things you can take, put into action, and, and put into your educational life. So thank you again. And uh, let's, let's have one more little listen here. All right. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate you having me on. This is awesome. This is fun. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.